Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
fight the tides and you know go against owners and things of that nature but instead let's bring everybody together let's bring the fans in let's bring um you know all of our pieces ownerships and players teams and let's let's put our efforts to raise awareness let's put our efforts to do events that will um, grow a fan base as well as give minor leaguers opportunities to make more money off the field to be able to um, support their dreams on the field. Um, I, I, we truly believe that if we can um, take some of the challenges and worries that minor leaguers have to do to put food on the table and to support their families, that they will in return be better baseball players. And that's our main goal with sport baseball is to be able to facilitate the growth of players not only on the field but more importantly off the field because we truly believe that the, the better men we are the better players we are and I experienced it in my own life in 2014-2015 and it just uh, something that I truly believe in and that we've uh, been working with and just trying to be creative and get out of the box and figure out ways to do events that people wouldn't nearly uh, normally do and create memories that I think that people pay for memories and we'd rather create a memory instead of just asking for funds and things of that nature to support um, minor leaguers and their goals and ambitions. So really trying to uh, be that advocate for minor leaguers, whether on the field or off the field. Um, and then the one that I've really been working on um, in terms of just me getting it up going, and now I'm up to 29 people actually helping me on it is we are one village and the goal is to have a we are one village community center and uh, children's home or orphanage and I, I really loved how uh, Brian Ingram uh, our buddy of mine had um, the we are one village already up and going and we kind of grow we met with planet with Chris Dickerson and his initiative to kind of clean up the planet be eco-friendly and things of that nature and we brought players to the planet and we are one village underneath green.org which is the domain we obtained last month which was huge first in our initiative so we want to make it an eco-friendly marketplace for people and, and really countries to access to technology um, from green.org we'll take funds that funnel it into players to the planet and we are one village to drive the initiatives that we're working on so working on a big project in the DR with plastic cleanup and trying to get MLB on board and maybe Nike on board, some other things of that nature to, um, you know, bring awareness and create jobs. I partnered with Plastic Bank. Uh, the CEO is David Katz, and we've been um, talks with him a lot, and we're getting really close to um, getting those stages where we're finalizing the last number of steps to business plan and things of that nature. So uh, hopefully if we can implement Plastic Bank, down in the DR, we will create thousands of jobs immediately and be able to allow for people to, you know, go out and earn three or four dollars a day to supplement their fourteen dollars a week they have and use that that currency from IBM Watson's blockchain to purchase social plastic uh, companies that have created goods and products that are using recycled plastic instead of creating new plastic as well as healthcare and food and water. So we're really excited about that. And we have some projects uh, we're working on down there with beach cleanups and things of that nature. And some more things that will roll out in time that can't really discuss just yet. 
but really excited about that. So it's been, uh, I've been quite busy to say the least. Yeah, that, that explains why you're so busy right there. I mean, I have the site up right now, morethanbaseball.org, building uh, our pastimes future right here. And, of course, minor league ball, I would know nothing about it. You would know way more about it than I would. It's no joke from what I hear. That kind of leads me to my next question. I wanted you to talk about your experience in uh, high school baseball because I know uh, from what I read it wasn't an easy experience growing up. But how quickly did you make the transition from high school ball to being drafted by the Yankees in 09? Because going from high school baseball straight to the pros in a single A is no joke. Um, yeah, so I was drafted late in 2000 or middle of 2009. I ended up not signing until late of 2009. Uh, I was very fortunate enough to get drafted the day before state championship, and then we ended up uh, turning around the next day in high school and winning the 4A state championship in Texas. So that was really awesome. Um and just to be able to spend that with that team that I had and family that that I considered, you know, my baseball was my life capable team was my family at a time that I was, you know, living out of my truck or bouncing from house to house. Uh, you know, the guys on the team were my family, so to be able to share that with them was really awesome. You know, I remember getting to Round Rock and getting into the hotel and getting a call from David Oppenheimer saying that they were going to draft me uh, as their first pick. Uh, just don't describe moments like that. So, you know, we had a lot of fun. I was, uh, even in the transition into pro ball, um, you know, we signed late and uh, coming from a small town, just my thought process, I didn't have anything else for baseball. So my perspective was nothing anywhere close to what it was now. My, my perspective was about the party, it was about having fun. Um, and, you know, I made a lot of decisions that people think are mistakes and things of that nature, but I truly believe they were lessons and I wouldn't change up any of them just because of the perspective I have sitting right now. So, um, you know, the transition was, at the time, I didn't, I think I was too young and naive to realize it was a big transition from, from going to play every couple of weeks to having the responsibility of, of, you know, managing my own time and profession as it, it wasn't just a game anymore, but it was also my job. So I made that transition and, and uh, over time I got better at it. And, you know, we just, we have to take the, the steps that we do and, and no matter how much we look back, it doesn't really help us in terms of where we're going. So we always got to focus on right now. It took me a very long time to uh, realize that and have the respect for what baseball really is. I don't think I really respected the what it took to become a big leaguer until that 2014 offseason after six or seven surgeries and the challenges that I had faced and both on the field and off the field. It just it took a while for those things to really um, transpire and turn into who I am now, but I'm also very thankful for those challenges. I'm very thankful for each surgery because when I signed, I was I was slayed the baseball player, and um, the last couple of years of me playing kind of took away the pressure of I didn't, you know, when I first started, I didn't have anything else besides baseball. I, I didn't have anything else in my life that seemed like it was, uh, that was my purpose or my calling. And I think each surgery and each decision and each uh, day that went by, it got me closer and closer to where I am now. And I'm very thankful for that. Oh, 100%. You live and you learn, um, obviously. Some good experiences growing up, some not good experiences, but you learn from both of them. And obviously you've turned it around and what you're doing right now, it's phenomenal work. Shifting gears here, just because I'm a big tattoo guy, you got a lot of tattoos on your arms. Reasoning and symbol, or yeah, reasonings and symbols behind them. Uh, one of my, you know, my right arm, I have a tribal that is called being 18 year old and be 
make your own decision. <laughs> nice. Um, underneath both of my my arms, I have for the love of the game. Uh, that goes from my right arm to my left arm. I have Psalms 143 on my chest, and it says, Oh, Lord, hear my prayer. And it was David's prayer in church, or in jail. Uh, he was just talking about having a new beginning and a new start. And in 2010, I kind of took that step, and I uh, was the first step in terms of <clears throat> changing my perspective and kind of turning and changing the path that I was headed down on nowhere close to where I need to be and honestly will never be to that point because I always want to be in pursuit of that and to always be growing but and then the one on my left arm I, I will go to the one on my ribs I have one on my ribs and it's been a lot to me and still does still does due to the fact that it says in all the in a race all the runners run so run in such a way you'll be victorious and that's always been my my thing Colossians 3.23 do it with all your heart glorify the name of the Lord not for men and I, I believe that I'm just not a half halfway person when I do something I'm all in and anybody that's seen me play will understand that anybody that knows me on and off the field knows that that's who I am I'm, I'm obsessively passionate is what I like to call and I'm thankful for that because I, you know, it keeps me motivated and takes that nature and it teaches me. You know, there's plenty of times where I, uh, I'm all in on something and you know it doesn't work or or I fall on my face or I trip and fall or whatever it might be. It, it teaches me lessons along the way, so I'm not scared to fail. And I think that's huge um, in terms of not only success but just in life. We, I think we shelter people from and kids in particular from failing and it robs them of the opportunity of learning who they are as a person. So that's always been big with me. And my my left arm, my sleeve, um, is why I go about everything that I do and how I go about it. And and the the message I'm trying to leave and on the outside, I have an eagle. Um, I've always, uh, you know, I'm an American. I'm I'm proud of it. I I love the uh, symbolization of the eagle. I'll also say that, you know, I by no means do I think that we have it figured out and I'm doing work in, you know, five different countries and I do plan on my offense being out of the United States. But it's overlooking a boy saluting his father's grave at Arlington Cemetery and I put that on my inside my forum so that any time I could always look down and see it and just realize that people out there have paid the ultimate sacrifice, that there's children out there and there's family out there that is is missing a loved one because that loved one was there fighting for the cause and or for me to be able to be where I am, whether I support the war or not, is beside the point because men and women have, have gone over and, and shed blood and shed tears and spent time away from family to be able to allow me to be here in the United States doing what I do on a daily basis so it's a reminder for me to why I have to be all out that's why I have to not stop and and when times get tough I can't quit I have to keep going and uh, below that I have uh, two dog tags with no names on them Uh, just another symbolization of anyone that's paid the ultimate price moving up I have a skyline in New York I have the New York City skyline, and it has the twin towers missing, but has the beams moving or flowing up, and in the reflection in the Hudson are the twin towers, and it's just a symbolization as well as the new Freedom Tower. But it's just a symbolization that, you know, the, the past is the past. We have to move on. We have to move forward, most of all. We don't have to forget about the past, but we do have to move forward, and we, uh, you know, we have to continue to grow up. And then 
it's just the American flag flowing into my chest and on my chest I have the Army Ranger Memorial. My uncle is an Army Ranger and has been for 17 years and there's been several people in my family that have served so my uncle is somebody I really look up to and I felt like it needed to be over my heart and a reminder every time I looked in the mirror to exactly why I have to keep going. That That's awesome. And a lot of tattoos, a lot of symbols there. You talk about the Psalms a little bit. Were you, like, you mentioned, like, earlier on in your career, big into partying and stuff. Were you always religious? Because I know a lot of people um, went through times, like, when they were younger, weren't really religious at all. Like, they went to church when they were kids, didn't really put a whole lot of effort into it, and then they go through some life-changing experiences, and then all of a sudden they find God, they find peace within themselves. Is that what happened to you? Yeah, I think there was always a big gap, and I tried filling it with a lot of things. And, you know, I think we loosely use the word religious, and I think we use Christianity a lot or whatever it might be. And I say I'm a believer. Um, you know, my, my belief might be different than you, but, that you know, bringing it back to we are one village, that's why I love one village, because regardless of who we are, where we are in life, we're all here together, we're all connected, and it's about time we start asking like it, because we're all going to have different views, we're always going to have different opinions and tastes, and whatever it might be, but it doesn't mean we don't have to have respect, and, and as a society, we've gotten to a point where we feel like we have to climb over people, instead of just pushing everybody up, and when we push everybody else up, we bring ourselves up in the uh, in the same process, and you know, I, I, I've I try to instill that in everything that I do and everybody that I put around me, whether on the boards uh, that I'm on with the nonprofits or business things that I'm working on, that is a common theme among everyone that I'm associated with. And I think that's very important. I think it comes to getting back to who we are um, as, as people and realizing that for our own betterment, we have to create a sustainable ecosystem. We have to create a sustainable economy that doesn't just help a few, but it helps everybody. That there's a way to that everybody can benefit, and in return, in the long run, in the bigger picture, we all benefit more because of that. I read an article the other day um, playing with uh, Austin Romine, Arizona Fall League. When you guys were younger, you always said, like, like you just mentioned, you laid laid it all out, you give it 100%, you don't, you're never like the half full type guy, like you said, um, you basically put it like, you played like every game was game seven of the World Series, like what was your fire behind uh, being, playing every game like it was game seven of the World Series, and are you still like that with stuff, with some of the stuff are you doing now, and why are you always so tense? I'm always like that, and the reason is it's on my left arm, my tattoo, how many, how many single mothers out there are working two or three jobs? How many families are out there working two or three jobs or single dads um, or just individuals making ends meet? Um, it, it's completely disrespectful of me to waste my time or to be in something halfway when they're out there busting their ass and doing everything they possibly can. So it's more of respecting the people that are on this planet with me. It's about respecting the game of baseball. I believe that's how it was made to play. And, you know, we never know when that, you know, we can always say this and you hear people say it all the time, but it's true. We, we never know when our time's done. You know, I could, I could walk outside and, and something happened in, in an hour from now. We don't know. And my biggest thing is I always want to whenever my time comes and whenever that time comes, I'll be ready. 
but I also want to know that I didn't waste any moments and you know we're not perfect and there's times that I get lazy and there are times that I fail and whether I'm a believer or not I'm nowhere close to being perfect and I have more flaws than anybody but I'm an open book about those flaws and and you know I try to show extreme humility in all that I do because none of us are perfect and we all struggle with different things I struggle with something that you might struggle with differently but me being able to share what I struggle with maybe there's somebody else out there that can relate maybe we can help each other and that's kind of the approach I try to take with everything so you said you were going to work out after this how, t- how intense are your workouts what do you got today hey they haven't been near as intense I'll be honest with you um, I was just with time now it's just about maintaining but I do plan um, I'm starting to plan some things and running I did a half marathon not too long ago uh, and I'm shifting my perspective so I'm now going to not preface with what I would normally say and I'm just going to say I am a runner and I'm working at being a better runner <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely very um, you know two people that are on my board of We Are One Village is Charlie Engel and a guy named Andre Cashley and Andre was hit by a train, lost his lower leg, and just decided to devote his life to showing that same thing as the I am more, is just being an overcomer, that we're more than the situation we're in. So he actually ended up crossing the United States on a hand bike um, in a little over 12 days, so 3,140 miles in 12 days. Uh, the other guy that, or one of the other gentlemen that are on my board is is. Charlie Engle, and he founded Water.org with Matt Damon. Well, Charlie Engle ran 111 days nonstop, covering a little over 50 miles a day, so about 5,000 miles in 111 days uh, across the Sahara Desert. And we're doing, we're working on a platform right now for those two. They're doing a 5.8 deck, and the whole the whole scheme of it is the lowest to the highest points on Earth, only 5.8 miles separate them. And it's just a symbolization that we are here in the lows and the highs in, in life doesn't mean that it has to determine where we're headed or the past determines where we're headed, but that we can always be on a path up and we can always be on a path to greatness. So they are going to go and, you know, I'm going to train and do what I can to attend whatever parts of the journey that I'm able to attend uh, because climbing is something that I really want to get into. I really want that climbing Everest to be kind of the last event I do or one of the events I do to raise funds for the, the orphanage. Um, but they are going to go from the lowest to the highest points on all seven continents. Um, and Andre's going to do it with exactly the way he is right now and as strong as he is right now. And he's going to be facing a lot of obstacles and challenges and and especially with the rock climbing portion, but we're going to figure out a way to do it, make it happen, and it'll be a world record feat for them. That, that'd be insane, and it's really cool to see how all these projects that you're doing kind of all correlate with each other, all helping each other out. But you uh, made your 20, so in 2015, you made your MLB debut with the Yankees, correct? Correct. And then, so I guess my next question is, A, who was your greatest mentor growing up in the game of baseball, and B, who, who gave you the best advice during that 2015 season when you were up in the Bronx, so you had a lot of uh, leaders on that team. You had Alex Rodriguez still there, Mark Teixeira, Brian McCann. I honestly couldn't tell you just one person. There were so many people in that locker room that really stood up. Brett Gardner was one of my favorite. Brian McCann is an awesome guy that really helped out. Alex and Carlos Beltran, two of the smartest guys I know in terms of baseball IQ, always ready to do, to dedicate their time to younger players. And you know, I, we saw a big shift in Alex's personality and. 
and the way he would approach things after the uh, 2014 season. So that was really awesome. And seeing those guys dedicate time, I spent a lot of time around them. Um, Dylan Batanzas, CC Sabathia, these guys spent a lot of time um, mentoring guys and be able to see that. Um, I don't know if I had a role model in terms of a baseball player, but definitely through my professional career, being able to see how Jeter handled himself uh, really made an impact more so off the field than on. Um, and I think the off the field ended up relating back to on the field, but seeing his consistency and how he went about everything every day and how him and, and guys like him and Mo uh, became my two favorite players in baseball history because, you know, they would you would always see them talking with younger players, always giving back and, and showing that, you know, if, if those two guys can do it or if these ten guys that were in that locker room such high quality and not only players but individuals, if they if they can donate or if they can dedicate their time to other people and serve other people, then why can't we all? So I think those were, I think there were so many influential people in my life in 2015 in terms of the baseball field that um, it just was, it was huge. Rob Thompson, the bench coach, uh, one of my favorite people in the world. Um, guys like that, that, that stood up for something bigger than just themselves, but the, the overall picture really instilled a lot of lessons in my life. And then, of course, what I remember, what most Yankee fans remember in that 2015 season was the home run you hit in September in Tampa Bay. Uh, Three-run homer the other way. Brett Gardner even said that you almost blew him up, like almost injured half the team. You talk about the intensity. How exciting was it to come through in that situation at the time, given it was like in right in the middle of a pennant race? That's what every kid dreams of. Any baseball player that's ever stepped foot on the field has dreamed of moments like that. That's why we play. That's why, that's why we want to be out there. So just the moment itself is awesome, but what really got me fired up even more so than I probably would have been was when I rounded second base and I saw the dugout the way it was. Um, you know, even to this day, I still it still gives me chills and still a moment that I'll never forget and a moment that I wish that I had a thousand times over. But, um, you know, my calling in life is to something else. And, you know, if that, that moment is my highlight in baseball, I'm okay with that because my life is is, you know, I tell people that, you know, the truth is I, I retired because I, I wasn't good enough to have an offer here, and I'm okay with that. I'm completely okay with that, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that, and I'm, and I'm at peace with that. And the biggest reason why is I felt like my life had a bigger calling or just a different calling. I felt like my life is nothing makes me happier than serving people and being able to be in a position that I am and being able to be setting up operations and and organizations and events to help minor league players, to help children, to help people all around the world. Um, nothing makes me happier. So I, I really retired um, selfishly because I just felt like there was there was something else calling my name. And sure enough, there was. And then you, after you left the Yankees, you were kind of moving around in the A system, Giants, White Sox. Tell me a little bit about those experiences. Did you enjoy those towards the end of your career? I did. You know, I think the game really shifted. I, I've always enjoyed the game of baseball, even uh, to this day. You know, I. I can't say that there's – I definitely miss playing in the big leagues. I don't know if I miss playing in the minor leagues near as much. But, um, you know, I've always loved the game of baseball. I've always loved playing the game of baseball, even with all of its trials and and mental um, fortitude that it takes and to persevere through the ups and downs in baseball. I've always loved it and always enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, I, I retired, but – 
and I'm done playing the game, but I'm nowhere close to being done with the game of baseball. And I want to use the game of baseball as a vessel to show the world that when the baseball community comes together, look what we can do. And we can use the baseball platform. We can use players and impact thousands and thousands of lives of people in the DR. And we'll take it from the DR and we'll go to Puerto Rico and we'll take it from Puerto Rico and we'll keep expanding to show the world that this is what happens. We all might be different. We might all have different opinions and different tastes and different paths and we might even be competing against each other in the same sphere but it doesn't mean we don't we can't work together in the in the biggest picture of, of mankind and humanity and of course after you're done with baseball you say you have a calling to do this you have more than baseball amongst your other organizations that you're starting including getting into flight school so what does a day in the life of slade heathcott entail with the flight school your organizations still around the game of baseball like what time do you get up in the morning like you got to go to the gym like you obviously like really don't have much downtime on top of you know having a family being a father number one the number one thing in my life is and will always be and one of the biggest and is the most influential part of my life is i'm a father first and foremost um so i have my son 50 percent of the time so it just depends. My schedule it could be different. Sometimes I normally once a week I pretty much stay up overnight to get work done. Uh, especially when I have my son, I don't want to ever take away from my time with my son and family things and stuff of that nature. I will never sacrifice that. So in order to make that happen and make all the other things happen, sometimes I'm up until three. Sometimes I don't go to sleep. Sometimes I stay up until two. I'm not ever really in bed before midnight, honestly, or probably two is probably a better guesstimate of that. And I can, I'm just able to get a lot of work done and they're studying I'm doing. I'm also trying to complete my college degree and aeronautics degree with a minor in aerial operations. Uh, so a normal day just depends. If I fly, if I had my son and I fly at 7.15, I'm, I'm up at 5.30 and and getting my son ready to go to school and things of that nature so I can drive him up north. I normally, I take a lot of phone calls in the car, um, business meetings, because I'm in the car for two to four hours a day, depending on traffic, depending on if I'm taking my son to school. So I'm in the school a lot, so if I, or in my car a lot, so I watch a lot of videos or listen to a lot of videos um, with aviation to be able to compact as much knowledge as I can there so that way I don't fall behind with as fast paced as it is. Um, I'm taking phone calls at all times at night. Like tonight I don't have my son, so I have two other calls after this and just got off with a call. And uh, I, I flew from 1 to 4 o'clock today, and I had a meeting at 9 o'clock this morning and then a call at 9.45 that took about an hour and a half. And I studied in between and was up at 5.30 this morning. And I'll go work out after this one and take my calls after I work out after that. So it really just depends. Uh, I normally am working for 16, 18 hours a day probably. Uh, anybody could do that, right? Man, oh, man. That's crazy. Crazy. Uh, I mean, so many of us do. Yeah. I mean, if you put your mind to it, obviously, and you're proving that right now. Uh, no question. Just before you go, I just have two more things uh, I want to get to. Both just humorous to me because the first one is kind of just the thing we do on this podcast kind of a ritual it's kind of a segment and until i figure out a better name it's called story time where basically uh myself as well as my guests just tell like a bizarre story where you're just caught in some precarious situation or like even like an embarrassing story uh i'm sure you have many uh, as do i so what do you got oh man i already know where to 
was dark. I guess I would shed light on the decisions that I was making just to shed light on where I was in my thought process. Um, right after I signed, fortunate to be in the first rounder, I was a bouncer in Tampa right after that. So I was a bouncer at bars, and my thought process was, well, if I'm going to drink, I might as well get paid for it. So I was a bouncer. And there was times that, you know, one time we went out partying all night. I woke up, got to the airport, but I was blacked out, hammered, drunk, and I had dropped my passport, or at least I thought I had. When I came back to the the hotel, obviously the Yankees had already found out about it. Uh, my passport was just sitting right there on the bed, nice and neat on top. So that's a that was a weird, weird moment in terms of just where I was, and obviously that shed light had to go to AA meetings and things of that nature. Uh, so that's one of them. Shoot, let's... Oh, yeah, that's just where I was. And, you know, I, my first spring training, I was sleeping. I think I slept through three or four games my first week, week and a half. And I still to this day don't know Ron Dog ended up waking me up in my bedroom of a gated community. And to this day, I still don't know how he got in there. <laughs> So, so, you, yeah, so you, I used to I used to have steak breathalyzers every day before I got walked on the field. Um, I was uh, I was enjoying the handle. Uh, I mean, yeah, you live and you learn, but like you literally slept through three or four games like that you were supposed to be at in Tampa. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, I would I would get home until five or six, and I would be drinking all night, or just sleep through the. Uh, sometimes it wasn't that I was drinking or drunk, just sometimes it was just I slept through the alarm because I was up until 4 or 5 or 6 o'clock and I would fall asleep instead of getting to the field at, at that time. So just uh, a lot of choices that, that I look back on now and I know that I need to share them so that way it can help other people. Absolutely. I mean, that's a good story right there. Just because I told it on the last podcast that I did, but I'll tell you just because you know the guy. Uh, last year, it was like Mother's Day. Um, and again, not to waste your time, but on Mother's Day, I was uh, I was working in the uh, production truck for uh, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. I was a uh, guest services and like ticket salesperson for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and of course, A Rod does Sunday Night uh, Baseball now with Vasquezian and Jessica Mendoza. And my my basically my job was to get them in there safe and sound and uh, make sure nothing happened to them. So they get in, I lock the door behind me, my shift's basically done. And I really have to go pee. So there's a porta potty right across the uh, right across the um, street from the production truck. So I go in there, I go pee, and like, you know, like your worst fear when you're in like a public bathroom is someone just walking in on you. And uh, so someone opens the door. I'm just like, uh, someone's in here. He's like, oh shit, sorry. And I'm like, oh my god, that was Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I gonna say? Like that was kind of weird. And I get out, uh, I'm like, oh, Mr. Rodriguez, I'm so sorry. He kind of just slaps me on my chest. He's like, hey, man, at least it wasn't Jennifer. So at least there's that. <laughs> so that, that was my mother's day with Alex Rodriguez in a porta potty. Um, hey, there you go. <laughs> at least I'll have that for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the one last thing before I let you go work out, need that intense workout. I don't know if you've ever seen this. I didn't even see this until today just looking up content to talk about. Uh, it had to be 2014, 2015, right around the time you were called up, maybe even before then, uh, just because everybody loves making fun of this guy. Mike Francesa was on his show talking about who and who couldn't the Yankees call up. Have you seen this before? I have, actually. 
I don't even know if you could hear it through the phone, but it's... I thought it was just a loop, to be honest. I'm like, oh my god, he's actually just muffing this for like 25 seconds straight. Yeah. It's not that hard of a name. Well, no, Mike has to be Mike, so he's got to do something to, uh, something, something that people are going to talk about, so I guess that's what he chose that day. Unbelievable. I guess I should have hit more homers. It's an exciting time of the year for sports, ladies and gents. Sophomore sensation Lamar Jackson is redefining what it means to be a dual-threat quarterback in the National Football League. Odds on Lamar Jackson to win the MVP race were at 50-1 to to begin the season and have since plummeted, making my bookie's prop selection more attractive than ever. And then on the 14th, we had one of the most stacked UFC cards in a long time, three championship fights, all highly anticipated right in the betting capital of the world in Las Vegas, Nevada. And without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action. We have the best place for you to go. My bookie, if you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you're looking to join right now, I'm talking right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra grand in free money to play with right now. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV, that's capital BLV, to activate the offer. Once again, that promo code is capital BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid, my bookie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.